Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Hey there, welcome to ATL and 29, a Peachtree Hoops podcast, where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Chenard. There's a lot to get into here for our first episode on Peachtree Hoops. Uh, the Hawks had an incredible 168-161 four-overtime loss to the Chicago Bulls last night, uh, but because it is our first episode with Peachtree Hoops, I wanted to go over a couple of administrative details. First of all, a great big thank you to Peachtree Hoops head honcho and chief Brad Rowland, who also runs the Locked on Hawks podcast. It's quite an opportunity for ATL and 29 to be on Peachtree Hoops. You're going to see us on Peachtree Hoops a lot more, and you'll probably see less of the Locked on Hawks podcast there. That's not any kind of indictment on Locked On Hawks. That's just two different podcasts with two different mummy and daddies going to two different places. Uh, so you'll be able to find Locked On Hawks a lot of places. Uh, you could put it into your favorite podcast catcher and search for it there. You can go to Megaphone and look for Locked On Hawks. You can go on to Twitter and it's at Locked On Hawks. You'll be able to find it everywhere. If you can't find it on Peachtree Hoops, it's out there, I promise. And if you're listening to one podcast, uh, you probably should be listening to Locked On Hawks. Uh, ATL and 29 will be here for you sickos who can't get by on just one Atlanta Hawks podcast. <laughs> um, and, and for our longtime ATL and 29 listeners, uh, things may look a little bit different. If you're looking for ATL on 29 in your favorite podcast catcher, you really should be looking for Peachtree Hoops. Uh, we're affiliated with SB Nation now. This is now a Peachtree Hoops podcast. So while we're keeping the subtitle ATL on 29, our official title is now Peachtree Hoops for Atlanta Hawks fans. If you look for it uh, in iTunes, we no longer have the advantage of alphabetical order. Uh, it won't be under A, it will be under P. If you have your podcast listed in alphabetical, alphabetical order, look there under P for Peachtree Hoops. Uh, we still desperately want you to uh, subscribe, rate, and review. And thank you to all who have done so uh, before now. It's greatly appreciated. On to the actual basketball. I wanted to do sort of a regular segment where I pick the three stars from the game from the Hawks because this is a Hawks centric podcast or win or lose just pick the three stars or at least the three most interesting players 
from the Hawks game. And so for last night, I'd go with Dwayne Dedman as the third star. He had 14 points, 12 rebounds, and four blocks. Uh, he did have one dubious foul call at the end of regulation where he fouled Otto Porter. Porter made all three free throws to force overtime. It looked to be something of a dubious foul call. Uh, Deadman was there contesting the shot, but Porter shot it as kind of a shot where he was coming forward. And in addition to coming forward, he kind of split into a karate kid pose where he put his front leg way, way forward. And that's the thing that created contact with Deadman. And so I was kind of surprised that they called that foul in that particular situation with basically time expired. Uh, that was a rough one for the Hawks. The, the game could have easily ended right there with Trey hitting the ridiculous game winner just seconds before that. But it ended going to four overtimes because of Deadman's foul. So uh, super interesting nonetheless. But Deadman really, all game long, especially in regulation, he proved what a valuable asset that he can be to Trey Young. John Collins didn't play in this game because of flu-like symptoms, and that really changed Deadman's role from what it is on a normal basis. When he's in there with Collins on a lot of the actions and on a lot of the double screens, he's there to be a jump shooter. While Collins, you know, does his rim rolls that he does at an elite level. Uh, but without Collins, the script flipped on some of the single screen actions and some of the double screen actions. Deadman was the role man, and he really did a phenomenal job at that particular task. He had some impressive dunks. Uh, in some of the double screen actions, he was out there with Vince Carter. You know, Vince would be the guy who would pop out for threes while Deadman was rolling, and, and it, it gave the Hawks good offense without having John Collins for the game. Uh, how to explain this other thing? Uh, about a week ago, I asked Dwayne Debman about the fact that he was out there shooting technical free throws. And then the very next game, he missed a couple of free throws. And he was mock, jokingly angry at me after that game. So a few days ago, I asked him about you know, being a part of some double screen actions with John Collins. Because, it, you know, it's a fascinating three-man game that Trey Young, Dwayne Dedman, and John Collins have going when, when Trey is going across those double screens, looking for seams, you know, looking for Collins as a role man, and oftentimes looking for Dedman as sort of the pick-and-pop guy and all the ways that they interact with the cross screens and traffic and such like that. But then, of course, John didn't play last night. And so when I went, when I went to Dwayne after the game, I was like, you know, we, we've got a bad thing going here. I asked you about the free throws. That turned out badly. I asked you about John. That turned out badly. And Dwayne, ever the jokester, and told me in no uncertain terms that he pretty much never wanted to speak to me again, which, you know, sounds bad when you say it like that. But... Dwayne has a way of, uh, and a tone of voice to let you know that he's just fooling around. He'll uh, pop his eyes at you and smile and 
say a bunch of things that I could possibly repeat on this podcast unless I wanted that cute little red E. Uh, but uh, we have that jinx thing going. To get back for a second to why I wanted to name Debman one of the three stars here, you know, in addition to being that role man for Trey uh, and, and doing it on short notice with John absent for the game, I just thought that Dwayne was terrific in so many other areas as well. Uh, he was making dead sprints in transition. On one play, you know, he had a step on the bull center on the fast break, and he and Trey Young connected for like a 50-foot alley-oop pass uh, with Dwayne finishing it with a dunk that was indicative of how hard Deadman hustled in transition all night long. Those four blocks, some of those were out on the perimeter. I thought he had a good contest at the end of regulation on the play where he contested Porter. You know, I thought he influenced that shot. He really, you know, did a lot in terms of contesting shots. So so that's why I wanted to pick Deadman as one of the three stars, as the third star for this game. For the second star, I mean, what can you say? Uh, Vince Carter is 42 years old, and he played 45 minutes. As we mentioned, John Collins was out, and then in the second half, Omari Spellman twisted his ankle, his left ankle, and left the game and did not return. So that pretty much left Vince Carter, you know, with Alex Poitras still assigned to Erie as the Hawks' sole power forward. I mean, there were players that they could put there uh, as emergency power forwards, but that Vince was pretty much it. He he was the one power healthy power forward left on the roster by the time that game went into overtime last night. Uh, the Hawks did do some uh, Twin Towers lineups with... Len and Deadman, but Carter played something like the last 10 minutes of regulation and 18 out of the 20 minutes of overtime. When I left the Hawks locker room last night, when I popped the door open to leave, uh, standing in the hallway, also exiting the building was Travis Schlenk, and he said, Kale, what are you doing here so late? <laughs> and I said, well, Vince spent a long time in the cold tub, which was a very wise move given what transpired tonight. Uh, you know, Vince didn't come out until after midnight to talk to the media, but when he did, he was helpful and informative and cheery as always. Was there any chatter on the floor? You know, you get to the third overtime, fourth overtime, chatter among the players about how tired they are? Okay. They were checking on you? Yeah. Who was checking on you? Uh, all of them, really, you know. You know Teammates Levine, or Bulls? Both. Uh, most of like, Levine was like, me. I know you're tired. He's, I'm tired. I know you're tired. Otto, everybody, you know. Otto, I mean, uh, Robin was my teammate before, so, you know, I know, I, you know, we've, we definitely had a lot of chatter. I mean, it's just fun. But it was fun. I, you know, like I said, I didn't, I didn't think about it, you know, how tired I should be. I should be. I, I know I was tired. You know, I could feel it, but at the same time, it was like if the game's going, I was locked into that. I didn't really think about that. Once, if I had to kind of sit out a couple of minutes and then go back in, eh, that could have been a different situation. But, you know, it was fun. I'll tell you what, I had a good time, and I feel okay. Tomorrow, we'll see. Do you think you're going to play Sunday? Why not? 
Uh, well, you know, a lot's been made of playing 45 oh, minutes at your age, <laughs> and, you know, you, you may feel it tomorrow. Or yeah, I'm probably, but I still I get tomorrow. I get a day. You know, 2.30 is going to come early, but that's okay. I mean, whatever I have to do, I'll do it. You know, as far as preparation, I've been around. I've learned how to prepare my body even at this age for times like, like these, and I'm going to do it and kind of just go from there. You know, I, I'm, I plan on playing, and, you know, it'll probably be a game-time decision, and obviously up to the coaching staff. I'm sure they'll ask me or make their decision, but I'm going to, you know, prepare, sleep good tonight, and kind of do all that needs to be done for myself to get ready uh, tomorrow. Trey Young had a lot of admiration for Vince after the game. John wasn't there. Amari got injured. You're out there with Vince. He's playing 45 minutes. You're yeah. a point guard who has to set him up and stuff. Did you get any sense that he was full strength or just trying to get through? Or? Yeah, the thing I love about Vince is that he, he's going to play no matter what. Uh, I mean, I saw a little bit how, I mean, everybody was tired, but I mean, Vince being, I mean, I mean, a little bit older, you could definitely tell he was a little bit more tired. And uh, I'm just happy the way the way Vince fought, the way he kept shooting. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm so blessed to be a teammate like him. Vince finished with 13 points and 7 rebounds in those 45 minutes that he played. He was huge in the third overtime. Uh, he hit a long three that helped force the fourth overtime. And with a second left in the third overtime, he drew a charge on Levine that eventually, essentially forced that fourth overtime. Maybe the most impressive thing about Vince's stint is that the fourth quarter dunk he had felt like it was three days past by the time the game had actually ended. In the fourth quarter, uh, he was out on the perimeter, the Hawks swung the ball to him, he threw a little pump fake at Laurie Markinen that essentially didn't quite drop Markinen, but absolutely froze him and had him on roller skates. And then Vince just glided in easily for a huge dunk, which, given the time and place and situation and age, was really just a tremendous, tremendous feat. I think it's got to be obvious at this point who the first star was. It was Trey Young, 49 points, 16 assists. Uh, from what I saw from Hawks PR, he's the second player, not rookie, second player ever to have a game with 49 or more points and 16 or more assists. That's bonkers. And when your favorite Lucas Stan jumps into your mentions saying, wow, Okay, he got 49 points, but it was four overtimes. Uh, keep in mind that what Trey Young did in regulation, 43 points, would have been by far the most points by a rookie this season, eclipsing a mark held by, you guessed it, Trey Young, 36 points, that he set not once, but twice in the two previous games leading up to this one also held by Jaron Jackson Jr., who had a 36-point game early in the season. What Trey did down the stretch of the fourth quarter was incredible. You know, with about four minutes left, the Bulls were floundering a bit on offense. They kind of went out of bounds to save a ball, came to Otto Porter, who was dribbling with his head down, 
Trey bolted right over, stole the ball, sprinted down court for a layup. The next possession, Hawks run a pick and roll. Deadman is rolling down the middle of the court, but it's a long roll because they set it up from a long ways away. And Trey floats in the world's softest pick and roll pass ever. Just puts so much air under it and lets Deadman run to go get it. Which, you know, is great if there aren't any defenders out there, but there was help defense coming from both sides. And the spot and the timing, you know, they literally could not have been more perfect. He gave Deadman enough time to get there, but got it there fast enough that the help defense was, you know, a few hundredths of a second from closing in on Deadman, but not there quite quickly enough. Next possession, Deadman blocks a shot, gets it to Trey Young in transition. Trey sprints up, pull up three, and the Hawks had the lead for the first time in the second half. It's getting to the point where you can run out of words to talk about how good Trey Young was. There was a shot in the first half, took it like a set shot. His heels were on the Hawks logo at center court when he took it. I mean, <laughs> what can you say about that kind of stuff? Uh, you know, I thought his defense was pretty good. He was moving his feet. He was, uh, he, you know, he took a charge. He was out there trying to take a couple of other charges. He had that steal from Otto Porter that we mentioned that was absolutely pivotal to their uh, to their fourth quarter comeback. Uh, he did all of this on the same day that he won the Rookie of the Month Award for the Eastern Conference for February. Uh, you know, the the things that he's starting to put together are really, really impressive. And after the game, uh, Vince Carter took a philosophical tone and said that, you know, he thinks that Trae Young is doing some of the things that he's doing now, particularly because he struggled early in the season. He's starting to get it. Uh, I mean, 40-plus points, 45 or whatever, 40-plus points uh, with 16 assists or something like that. Mm -hmm. Like, he's, he's doing it all. It's not, you're not going to, you can't say, oh, he's just shooting the ball and not, you know, getting his guys involved. He's, he's doing it all. And he believes and he's starting to understand, like, everything's starting to slow down for him. Everything's starting to make sense for him. And that's, that's what I said. I, I think, this is my opinion, the best thing that happened to him was the struggle in the beginning. You know, now to kind of, you know, get to kind of ease your way into it. And obviously, you know, people saying what they say, you know, it's kind of motivation. But I, I think if it, he starts off with all of the success, the success now, it, it could be different. You know, and of course, we don't know that. But I personally felt like that was the best thing for him because, you know, every, when you get into this league, you want to make a splash. You want to, you know, prove you're supposed to be here. You're supposed to be whatever, you know, rookie of the year top pick, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, sometimes guys go about it the wrong way or sometimes guys don't know how to go about it. And I think what what it did for him in the beginning is, is, is a humbling situation where now you can sit back and, you know, you assess the situation. You hear what's being said. You tend to focus just a little more now. Not that he wasn't. I'm not saying that. But like now you tune in a little more. Pay a little more attention to detail. And now he's reaping the benefit from it. And I, I think that's kind of 
been a blessing in disguise, and maybe he doesn't see it that way, or, or people, or his fans, or whatever. But it's it's what it's done for him now has been unreal, and it's been a great ride, and it's been great to kind of see um, his, his, his maturation and, and just not, not only is he playing well, but now he's kind of putting guys in situations and you know talking to him. Hey, I need you to be here. Hey, go encouraging like all of that thing that the point guard is tough. Like that. you're like the extension of the coach. Outside of your captains or whatever, but you know, and, that, and I said it in the beginning of the year, the point guard is the toughest position because you have to, you have a lot of responsibility outside of your, your yourself. And um, he's starting to get it. He's starting to get it. A few other notes about Trey. He finished with forty nine points. That's the most by a hawk since Sharif Abdurrahim scored fifty in two thousand and one. Last night was Trey Young's fourth game with 30 or more points and 10 or more assists. With four such games, he trails only Oscar Robertson, Michael Jordan, and Steph Curry in the number of 30-point, 10-assist games uh, by a rookie. The Hawks set a franchise record for points, 161. And they tied a franchise record with 22 three-pointers. Um, didn't get mentioned in the three stars, but Alex Len scored a number of key points down the stretch after Deadman fouled out. You know, he was the role man for Trey Young. The Bulls were playing small with Larry Markinen at center. And, you know, that kind of worked for the Hawks and against the Hawks at times. Uh, but, you know, in, in terms of the four of the, the Hawks, he was definitely, you know, plowing screens for Trey and getting to the rim and finishing shots for Trey when, when Trey dumped the ball off to him. So, you know, that was a productive combo for the Hawks after Deadman fouled out. Some other notes from this one. Kevin Herter. Uh, before the game, he was out on the court warming up in some University of Maryland Under Armour shoes. I I tweeted a picture of, of them, if you saw that on Twitter. I asked him if he was becoming an Under Armour guy, if, if Bayes was putting pressure on him to, to convert to Under Armour. And I, he said more or less that he's a basketball shoe free agent at this point. Uh, he's wearing the shoes that suit him. Uh, I'm sure if some shoe company came up with the right offer, he'd be willing to listen. And those offers will probably keep keep coming soon if he keeps playing the way that he does. Herter also said after the game that, you know, in terms of that, that big fall that he had, uh, it was more or less a case of him just getting the wind knocked out of him. So he went to the bench. He just concentrated and tried to... He concentrated on trying to breathe through it, and he said that it really wasn't an issue after just a few moments. Uh, Lloyd Pierce said that you know part of the reason Herter didn't play as much in the overtimes was because he was on a minutes limit. I believe that his minutes limit was around 30, and of course in a four-overtime game, weird things happen. So he ended up playing, well, he ended up playing right around 30 minutes, so uh, Pierce held him to that cap. John Collins missed the game, as we mentioned, with flu-like symptoms. Before the game, Lloyd Pierce was saying that he was hopeful 
that John Collins would be joining the team in Chicago for uh, the second game in a row against the Bulls. He said that right now his priority was keeping Collins separate from the team so that uh, they don't all get sick. But he was also hopeful, you know, he said something to the effect of, you know, if we have to, we can fly him out late Saturday night uh, for the game Sunday. Uh, if he does play and if he is feeling well, it'll be interesting to see how he plays in a game where a number of players from both sides played over 55 minutes a game. Uh, hopefully that works in favor of the Hawks in terms of him finishing a number of dunks over a bunch of defenders with dead legs. Amari Spellman twisted his ankle in the second half. Uh, in his post-game press conference, Lloyd Pierce didn't have a whole lot of updates or things to say about it, but if I make an irresponsible guess, I, I would think we're probably not going to see Spellman for a little bit because it, it looked like kind of a nasty twist. If I made another uh, irresponsible guess, I would suppose that given the shortage of power forwards, given what Vince played, given the fact that Collins is iffy, Spellman is probably in, in a tough spot, I would guess that we're going to see Alex Poitras get recalled from Erie before Sunday's game, but we'll have to see about that. And at practice Thursday, I asked Lloyd Pierce about Miles Plumley. He said that he's very close, that he's doing everything that the team is doing in terms of activity, although that activity does not include five-on-five -five work because, you know, given that we're late in the season and the workload of the players, there's just not a lot of time or willingness to do five-on-five -five work in practice. So Plumlee hasn't been exposed to that, but I saw him there. You know, Plumlee was working one-on-one -on -one with some trainers, and he was doing things like, you know, going up for multiple dunks in succession, dunk a ball, land, go back up and dunk again. So you could see him getting a lot of explosiveness back. And, you know, the word that Pierce used was close. He was close to returning. So even though he's officially been for a long time now listed as out on the Hawks injury reports, uh, you know, there's been a lot of progress made. And it wouldn't shock me to see Plumlee... Uh, getting into a game sometime in the next couple of weeks, but we'll have to see about that. All right, that's all I got for this initial episode of the Peach Tree Hoops podcast, the ATL and 29 version. Uh, as always, I would ask you to subscribe, rate, review, tune in again sometime soon. I'll try to keep you uh, informed with podcasts after some games, podcasts after some practices. We're going to pull in Tyler Jones for some of these podcasts to get really in-depth in things, and uh, we'll do our best to make a good podcast out of this. Thank you for listening, and have a great day.